service. Here we are. For those that can hear me by the entrance, please bring it in. Please bring it in. And please stand as you come in. Stay, stay standing. Because we like to worship Jesus here standing up. Oh, come on, guys. You guys got to squeeze it in. You got to squeeze it in. Bring it in. And those worshipers that are ready to worship, let's bring it in. Let's get ready to worship God, amen. Let's call down heaven this morning, amen. Before we get into the worship, we always want to bring forth a testimony to encourage the body of Christ. So we want to introduce you to Nandri. All right, come on in. Thank you, everybody. My name is Nandri, and I just want to thank the, uh, the elders of the church for giving me this opportunity. I wanted to testify, so I find it kind of strange that I'm a little nervous. <laughs> um, but I just want to share with you all something that I think will encourage you. Um, you know, a few of you may know uh, about a week and a half ago, I was really having a difficult time uh, financially. I was really wondering what's going on. I felt like everything I owned was falling apart, was breaking. I was losing money. I didn't have enough money to pay for my car being fixed. And I, I was asking God what's going on. And, um, you know, he spoke to my heart after I prayed and he said, last week when you were praying, didn't you tell me to take whatever you want? And I was like, wow, God, I, I did. And I remembered, I was like, yes. And I even, like, double-checked myself. Do I really mean that? And God, I said, yes, God, I meant that. And I know you heard me. But, you know, all that worry and stress and that burden left, and I just felt his peace come. And um, he cares so much for us. You know, he cares for the little things. And, and things may seem... Um, burdensome, you know, too much to bear, but he understands perfectly. And I want to share a verse from Matthew 6. You know, the section of, of um, Matthew 6, it's titled, Do Not Worry. And the Lord often speaks to me in this way, but verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So just, uh, you know, rest in that, that God's provision is, is more than we could ever need. Um, I'm just going to pray, bless the service. The, I, I just want God to bless you guys with the same kind of peace and, uh, and encouragement that he's given me. God, just open up the heavens this morning. I pray anyone who's seeking, they will find. You've promised that if we seek you in our whole hearts, you will be found by us. And I just thank you for everything you do, everything you provide for us, and your heart that is for us. We praise you, and I thank you, Lord. Amen. in your life I find my strength in your truth I overcome in your grace I lose myself for in your love oh, sing it out 
You turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness. My heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, oh, shouting. You turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness. My heart, my heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, shouting. Singular. In your joy, I find my strength. And in your hope, yes, I overcome. And in your grace, yes, I lose myself. For in your love, sing it out. You turn my tears of sadness. Into such joy, my heart, my heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, oh shouting. You turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness. My heart can't keep it in. I'm shouting, lift up a shout of Every boy, sing with me. Whoa, 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 whoa,
Isn't God good this morning? Amen. You know, I just want to read you this passage of scripture. This entire month, you know, we're doing series and last month we were talking about winning your friends, evangelism, amen. And I'm seeing some new faces in this place, so praise God. Come on now. This month we're talking about being an overcomer and I, and I want to and I want you to turn your attention to the scripture. I'll just read it out. And it's in Romans 8, 38. We'll start off in verse 31. The Bible says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who? Who can be against us? Come on, watch this, watch this. In verse 35 it says, Who? Again, who? who who's going to do it? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, it says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, come on church, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Come on. My question this morning to you is who? Who? What's separating you right now from encountering the presence, the love of God? Who? The Bible said nothing's going to come in the way. We can experience God in this place as a church, as a body. Come on, with all eyes closed in this place, amen. Come on. I want you guys just to pray from your heart and say, God... Lord, I pray that you get away, take away the excuses, God. God, maybe the troubles and the issues that I'm facing right now, God, do you take that away? Come on. We seek your face. We seek your presence, oh Lord. Nothing can separate us. <laughs> Nothing can separate us from your great love. And it's by you we overcome. Come on, start confessing it over your life. I'm an overcomer in this place. Come on. Receive it now. I'm an overcomer. That thing that was getting me down this morning. Come on. That pattern of sin that I keep on falling into, temptation. Come on, I'm an overcomer this morning. Oh 
church, make it our testimony. Every person in this place, come on. to say you can say it on your own come on you know the reason why God he overcame an attitude of worship and prayer wasn't so that we can have great worship services or so that we can have awesome times singing this is that in our lives, it would reflect the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, you're being empowered in this place as we worship God, as we're in his presence. Come on, just let the Lord speak to you right now. He's spirit. Amen. Come on, we just have our eyes closed so that we wouldn't be distracted. So all eyes closed in this place. God, we come to you this morning. God, because we tried everything else. We've searched, we looked all over. Nothing compares to your son, Jesus. It's been that name we confess that we are made new, that we are overcomers. Jesus.
Come on, church, just like that song says. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Come on, worship him without borders. Jesus. Come on, worship him undignified. Woo! Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father. Woo, come on. walk upon the waters wherever you will call me come on holy ghost holy ghost you are here the glory of god is here saints of god receive what god has for you this morning in this time in his presence
God, we stay still in your presence right now. And we're still to hear from you. Speak to our hearts. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, you spoke it to your people. I pray for a softened heart. I pray that 
the ears and the eyes of the hearts be open now, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Father, I pray for salvations this morning. I pray for lives to be changed, transformed in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We give you thanks for your words, oh God. May they not be forgotten, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen and hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Let's give God a praise and thanks. If you can please, you know, go ahead and greet your neighbor and just find your way back to your seat. Praise God. Right now, I would like to dismiss the children. So we ask parents, please send your children towards the, towards the booth in the back here. Kind of just felt like I kept going there. Pastor Berto, one of the pastors here at Metro Praise International. God is touching your heart, amen. Let, let him continue moving in your heart. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Hallelujah. Right now I'm going to preach the gospel of salvation. And the word that God gave me is found in Matthew chapter 11. It's up on the screen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to it. But I just sensed in my spirit as I was coming here, this guy just wants to set people free. Free from heavy, burdened lives. Not just tired and burdened from working all day long physically, but in your soul, in your spirit. You've been going through so much, resisting God's love, resisting His grace, resisting His word, resisting His mercy. And there's just this burden upon your soul and you walk around just looking alive and smiling at people but you know that inside your soul you're just so heavy you're just so tired and God just wants you to know hey are you just tired of it do you just want to let go of it this is his word Jesus Christ said it Matthew verse 28 chapter 11 he says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What God wants to tell you is this. He wants you to rest. He wants your soul to be at rest because your soul has been at war, you know. Your soul has been just waging at war, resisting. I just sense like there's resisting against God and and you don't want to live for God. You don't want to accept Jesus. You don't want to uh, you don't want to humble yourself. But let me tell you, God has spoken. His word came through through the man and woman of God in here filled with the spirit speaking forth to to those that need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and understand that he died for your sins on the cross. He shed it all for your sins so you may not be damned in hell but have eternal life in heaven. Hell is real, heaven is real, the devil is real, and God is real. And the devil wants to just keep lying to you, keep, keep you in your pride to not accept the salvation that Jesus Christ offered in the cross. But I'm tired of the devil's lies, and I'm tired of the pride of man that keeps rejecting what God, what, how, what God, how God showed his love for us. That he sent his one and only son. And put them on the cross for us. So we will not be damned in hell. But have eternal life in heaven with the Father. 
and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit can be yours today in your life. Let go of yourself. Give him those burdens. Why do you keep walking with that heavy laden in your back with that sin, that hatred, that anger, lying, stealing? God can't forgive you. There's not one thing that he cannot forgive, and he will forgive you if you humble yourself and say, yes, I want my soul to rest. I give you my soul, Jesus. I ask for your blood. Wash me clean now. My heart is breaking for someone in this room. You know who you are. People have been praying for you so much. Jesus Christ to leave this room. Satan, leave now in Jesus Christ's name. You have no authority over the soul that God has created. Release your freedom, oh Father. We love you. We thank you for the cross of Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody say amen. Hallelujah. 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 I have two prayer workers right to your right. If that's you, you need to need salvation and you need discipleship as well. God does not save you, but He wants you to be a disciple, a committed follower of Jesus. They want to pray for you. Okay? When, during the time of fellowship, but right now we want to recite our confession of faith. Uh, for those that want to fly, just raise your hand. You can read it on a piece of paper, just raise your hand. We'll pass it out to you. Anybody want to read that confession of faith in the sheet of paper? We have all that will pass them out to you. Okay? So, so in a count of three, let's recite this together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the death. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all believers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. Greet your neighbor. Let's spend a few minutes of fellowship, and please come up for prayer.
shout and you're loud and you just join in the chorus with us amen welcome everybody to metro praise international it's good to see everybody here new and old uh, our sun our services here are sundays every week at 10 a.m and fridays every friday at 7 p.m we have our teenagers that meet together elevate and they're rocking it out they're winning their friends to jesus so these are our two main services please join us every week and get plugged in and we have an announcement special service for next sunday please mark it in your calendars for october 20th come on make some noise our pastors uh ron and carolyn allen this is pastor joe's um or joe's childhood pastor and he is one of our apostolic elders him along with brother anthony freeman pastor ron and pastor anthony are our apostolic elders that help oversee MPI Church, so we are honored that they are going to come and just celebrate what God is doing in this place. And for our sermon series, Overcome, for the month of October, he's going to give us a special word. So if you want to be you know, set free from things that are holding you back, overcome different challenges in your life, Pastor Ron is going to bring a timely word. So come expecting, come knowing that God is going to speak to you and invite your friends and family next week october 20th we're gonna have an awesome time amen come on our vision here is very simple it's loving god and loving people we say it every week because we believe it we live it and that's what we want to be a church 
that loves God and loves people. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect, mentor, and send. And the way that we want to do that here at MPI with Connect Face, connecting you to the cross, is through our life groups. So we take our life groups very, very seriously. And we have them strategically organized for you in the back of your handout. You can see how they're set up ministry-based, special needs-based, activity-based. There's something for everyone of all ages. And then specifically, we want to go through this week at MPI, what is happening, because there's always something for you to do, something that's going on. So every Sunday night, we have the Encounter Prayer Night Life Group for all ages at 5 p.m. They go deep in the Holy Ghost, deep in worship. They bring a word. People are getting saved here, and God is just moving. So if you want to be a part of that, come on out. And then also uh, uh, today, Sunday, we have the Single Moms Life Group. Make some noise, single moms. Come on, they're going on strong. And so uh, they're ha this is happening today at 5 p.m. as well. And then Wednesday, every Wednesday, our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old at 6.30. If you have your children, have any neighbor children, bring them on by. They are just loving Jesus and being discipled. And this is an awesome place for our children to know about the Lord. Uh, and then Friday, we have our adult life groups at Pastor Berto and Griselda's house every week at 7 p.m. That's happening this Friday. And then Saturday, October 19th, coming up, our Elevate life group. Come on. They're going to go out and have some fun. Please meet here at the church at 9 a.m. So if you know any teenagers who haven't come on by, bring them on Saturday. Have them have some fr fun with their friends here. And then again, Saturday, every week, the evangelism life group. So that's what's happening this week. Look to your neighbor and say, find something to do. Come on. So that's how we connect you. Amen. And then we want to mentor you. When you come to Metro Praise, we have leaders that are ready to take you through our 101 book. It's welcome to your new life. And we have leaders that are ready to meet with you, whether it's every week, every other week, once a month, just to teach you to live for Jesus, to give you the basics of Christianity. And after that, we want to mentor you in our discipleship class with disciples that make disciples. This is our 201 Sunday mornings with Pastor Jared because we believe that every believer should be a leader and we want you to lead here with us so that we could win Chicago for Jesus, amen? And then we want to send you out to do evangelism and we believe very heavily with street witnessing, getting out into the street corners, preaching the gospel on your jobs, in your workplaces, your neighborhood, your communities, being a witness wherever we go. And then our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago, okay? 100,000 in Chicago with 50 churches and then 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that by God's grace, say amen. God is moving. Look to your neighbor and say, God is moving. Look to your other neighbor and say, Chicago for Jesus. Come on, we believe it. God is just being faithful. When we're faithful, God is faithful. And when we're faithful, God brings fruitfulness, amen? We believe that we are being fruitful in all that we're doing, and we're just in an exciting season. And at this time, we're going to prepare to give our tithe and offerings, our tithes and offerings. And we believe here at Metro Praise that the scriptures teach that our tithe is a 10% of our total income. So if we have a paycheck of $500, what would the 10% be, church? $50. And we believe that that belongs to God. Everything that comes through our hands, 10% belongs to the Lord. And an offering is anything above that, an amount between you and Jesus, and we designate that towards missions and our building fund. And if you could please turn with me to Matthew 6.24. Matthew 
God is good. How many of you guys believe God is good this morning? All the time, God is good. Matthew 6, 24, if you're there, say, I'm there. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If, if you haven't noticed, obviously money in our day and age, in our culture, especially in America, it's one of the greatest indicators of what we truly value in life. And what we spend our money on reveals who our master really is. When we are spending our money God's way and putting God's first, God's way first, then it's always going to place his kingdom above everything that we value most. Amen? Because the Bible says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given unto you. But if we love money more than God, because this scripture is very clear that we cannot serve both, if we love money more than we love God, then we will spend our money on whatever we want and put our kingdom first. So I want to encourage all of you who have been tithing to continue to do so because you're putting God's kingdom first. And when we put God's kingdom first in our life, everything falls into place. And I want to challenge those who haven't done so already. The Bible says you cannot serve both God and money. And when we do not tithe and we are not givers of offering, then we are putting our kingdom first and it's selfish and it's greed. And so the scriptures are very clear that we, when we put God before money and we, when we follow his commands to be faithful with what he's given to us, we will be blessed and prosperous and he will give us all that we need. Amen. If you believe that with me, please stand with me this morning as we prepare to pray and recite our verse. We have an exciting uh, announcement to make. This is our new baptismal tank. God did it. Through your giving, we are so excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, I think we could do a little bit better than that. This is huge. We did it by God's grace, your generosity. We went above and beyond. It's already been ordered. God is good. And so the goal was 3,000. We went a little bit over the 100 mark. And we believe that with this extra, we're going to be able to purchase the water heater. So when we're doing baptisms in the winter, it'll be nice and cozy in here, okay, for all those getting baptized. And then whatever is left over, we're going to keep in the building fund. But we are so thankful to all the generosity of the people here and God's faithfulness. And we pray that you will continue to be blessed and prosperous in all that you do. God met our need. Amen. Because he's faithful. So I want you guys to get excited about our November baptisms. Bring your friends, bring your families, because all the new believers here, everybody that's been getting plugged in, will be baptized next month. Amen? Let's give the Lord one more hand clap. Praise his name. Woo! God is good. Let's recite this together. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a good God, a God that cares for every detail of our lives. And we thank you, God, for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your provision. And I pray, God, that you bless every single person here, that we would have a spirit of generosity, that we would be faithful to the tithe, faithful to give offerings, God, because we want to put your kingdom first. You are our master. You are the one that we want to serve. And we want to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. And I pray, God, for favor, prosperity, increase in every single 
single person here. Meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And I pray that you will continue to meet our budget here at MPI month after month, that we would go above and beyond so that we could win nations for you, that the gospel would be preached around the world. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Come forward as you give this morning. Amen. If you love Jesus, can I get a hallelujah? Amen, amen. Welcome to Metro Praise. Open up your Bibles with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to be talking today about being an overcomer. How many overcomers do I got in the house? Can I get a woo, woo? Woo, woo. Amen. We're so excited about that baptismal tank. Thank you guys for giving generously to the Lord. If we could have the notes up as well, they're on Facebook and as well on our website. And like always, this whole month, every day, everybody say every day. Every day we got the devotionals coming out. All you got to do is go to lifechangingdevotions.com or metropraise.org. Sign up for them. And every day, somebody say every day. Every day this month, you can get an encouraging devotional about being an overcomer. So thank you for giving to the baptismal tank. We're going to do a baptism next month. We'll announce it uh, next week. God is doing wonderful things in this church. And I want all of us to decide today that what we confess up here is our confession. That if I have you in church just for two hours today, that it will radically change your life. That I will walk away as a pastor and say, I did my job. You know we can bring people to the water, but we can't make them drink. So I want you to believe this in your heart today. Not because a preacher is preaching it. Not just because it's a cool thing to believe in, but because God said it. This is our uh, theme. This is our, our belief statement for this month, that we are overcomers. I am who God said I am, and I can do what God said I can do. Can we say this on the count of three? One, two, three. I am who God said I am, and I can do what God said I can do. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Do you believe you're an overcomer? Do you believe that God set up a pathway for you out of every trial and situation you face, a pathway of success, a road of victory? Amen. To overcome what you face in life. You are not alone. We're doing this with Jesus Christ. And he said, you will have trouble in this world. And how many know that's true? We have trouble in this world. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And this scripture, now turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. John, about 
50 years after the life of Jesus, 50 years after the life of Jesus, John is an old man now. He was the youngest of all the disciples. He writes this to us, going off of those words that Jesus had said. Yes, in this world you will have trouble. But Jesus said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now John says this to us. If you're there, say I'm there. Thank you. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his what? Commands. Thank you. And his commands are not burdensome. That means they're not hard. They're not too tough to do. You can do it. For everyone born of God, somebody say born of God. Thank you. Overcomes the world. So when Jesus said, be of good cheer, I overcome the world. How do we now get to overcome the world with Jesus? By being born of God. See, we are in this world already subject to defeat. If you don't think you're in a battle today, that's because you've already been knocked out and the battle is over. Those of us who feel we're in a battle is because we've been born again, made victorious, and we're standing our ground on the victory. We're saying, I'm not going back to who I used to be, and I'm moving forward to who God called me to be. Amen? So God said this, that we overcome the world by being born of God. Now read the next uh, part. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our, even our faith. Everybody say faith. Thank you, even our faith, when we put our hope in God, that is what overcomes the world. That is what enables us to be born again. And look at verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Now look, I'm going to be like a preacher right now, and then I want you to say it back because I think John is trying to help me preach right here, okay? So I'm going to say, who is it that overcomes the world? And you all just shout out really loud. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, okay? And do it with a little swagger, okay? Who is it that overcomes the world? Boom! Come on, look at your neighbor and go, boom! Amen. Drop it like it's hot this morning. I'm going to read the whole context again so you can hear it for. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's how we become overcomers. Amen. It's not a gimmick. It's not based on whether or not you can do more religious things. It's by faith. It's not based on whether or not you can start coming to church, you know, five times a week. These things will assist you in your spiritual growth, but these things will not make you an overcomer. Coming to church does not make you an overcomer, just like going to McDonald's does not make you a hamburger, right? Y'all got that? Just like going to the bank doesn't make you a millionaire. How many wish that would happen? You walk into the bank, I'm a millionaire, baby. All that money's mine. No, you're just cray-cray. You lost your mind. Well, I just come to church. I'm a Christian. No, you've got to be born of God. You've got to put your faith in God and be born of God to be his. And the good news is everybody can be. So it's a fact. You were born a sinner into a world with trouble. As true as that fact is, let me just pause here. Is it a true fact that you've been born into a world of sin and trouble? Do I need to put up a, a slide of argumentation and of verbal uh, you know, philosophy? Do I need to try to prove it to you that you're living in a world full of trouble or do you just know it? As well and as true as that should be obvious to all of us is as obvious as our victory. 
Our victory should be obvious. When you're born of God, victory should be obvious. You should know. My life has changed. I'm no longer by myself. I know that I've been saved. Did anybody get saved like that? Like when you got saved, you knew some things changed. Nobody had to talk you into it. Nobody had to preach it at you for three hours. You knew that you were an overcomer. For some of you who have not experienced that, I challenge whether or not you really got saved. I don't mean to be disrespectful, and I know that some have weak faith, and we want to encourage your faith to grow. But I want to be very honest with you. If you have not had an experience with God that you literally felt you went from defeat, obvious defeat, obvious trouble, to the next moment being in victory, sensing the power of God on the inside of you, a pep in your step, your frown got turned upside down. Amen. If you did not notice a transformation, a new creation, something happened on the inside of you I doubt you have met the man if you had met Jesus you would be changed it's like if you met a hurricane today would something change amen if you met if you met an earthquake today would something change Amen. If you meet Jesus, the God of all the universe, the one who created you, the great I am, things change. So I'm not here to try to be his, his uh, cheerleader and go, yeah, boom, boom, just goom, bah, come on, God. No, God already did it. I'm just the newspaper man. I'm just the announcer to say your life and your destiny has already been changed by Jesus Christ. Do you accept that and come into Christ's life and experience his victory? Or do you live according to the principles of this world, which is sin and death? When you take together these two concepts, that is the principle of this world. Even the greatest things you can think of will still come down to sin and death without Jesus. Let me give you an example. You may say, Pastor, I'm not born of God, but I have a pretty good life. I live for my family and I have a job. Your family will die or you will die and you will be separated for them, for, from them for eternity. Do you understand how important God is now? So you may say, well, pastor, I have a good life because I have a family and I have a job. Yes, but if you're not born again, death will overcome you. Because of your sin, you'll be judged by Jesus on judgment day and now sentenced to a lake of fire for eternity where you will not be down there with rock and roll musicians and having a party. You will be in utter darkness by yourself for eternity. So what did sin and death do in your life? Conquers you. Conquers your family. That is even if you can slide by this world and somehow feel like it's a good life. Maybe Frank said Sinatra is your hero, and you want to do it your way. You see, because Jesus didn't say there was three ways to overcome. There's only one way to overcome. That's to be born of God. So when I am born of God, what I have done is I have sealed my fate to Jesus in eternal life. And no longer does sin and death have the victory over me. So what do I do? I teach this to my children. Believe in God be overcomers so that if they become overcomers if they confess Jesus as Lord then we together for eternity share the glory of God together so death and sin does not overcome us we overcome death and sin does everybody get that now if it's true for your family how much more so for all of the accomplishments of your life death and sin will conquer these things if you think about those who were the greatest athletes in the 1910s and 1920s, some of you who are baseball fans who can talk about the Hank Aarons and all of these people, most of them are already dead. 
And some of the heroes that you grew up with, like Michael Jordan, sin and death is already taking a part of his life. He's not the athlete that he used to be. All of his accomplishments now are in the past. And when he goes to his grave, they're not going to bury him, or they might, but they're not going to bury him with his trophies and his rings because it's meaningless at that point. So even if you say to yourself, well, I'm going to overcome the world. I'm going to be the next Bill Gates. I'm going to be the next Michael Jordan. Sin and death will conquer you. Look at the bottom of the verse. Only, somebody say only. I said all that to say this. Only the one who believes in Jesus is the son of God overcomes the world. That's it. It's not the star basketball player. It's not the one who put a monument in their name. You know, Pompeii had some monuments. It's gone now. Do you know that there used to be monuments on this street? It's gone now. You will not even be remembered by your own family 50 years from now. Everything will go away. How do I know that? Try to remember your family 50 years ago. Do you even know your great-great-grandparents' names? Do you know where they live? Do you know their house? We will be forgotten let alone when we stand before God in eternity. So, my friends, you really don't have any other options. It's either be overcome by sin and death and suffer in eternity because you refuse to accept Christ or be an overcomer and overcome sin and death, live victorious on this earth, see Jesus Christ in heaven, be united with him forever, and dwell with those who have accepted him. Hopefully, those are your neighbors and your friends. Amen. How many go into heaven and bringing somebody with them? Amen. Amen. Look at these terms defined in review. Number one, what does it mean to be born of God? It means to be born again in your soul and spirit. How many know that you have an inner person living on the inside of you? Some call it your conscience, your inner voice, your inner person. The Bible calls this your soul and spirit. How many believe you have that? That's what separates us from animals. That's why you can have a steak today and not feel convicted because you did not eat something with the soul. You ate an animal, amen? But if I had a side order of Jared today, that would not be right, would it? Because this is a living person. He has a soul. That's what makes us different. Right, Because uh, the building blocks of our flesh and chromosomes, they say, are similar to animals. And that may be true because when my children play with Lincoln Logs or, or uh, Legos, they can make a variety of things. Little men, little buildings, but it's all out of those Legos. When God created the universe, he didn't make man out of something different than he made an animal with. No, both of us were made out of the dust of the earth. We have, we have organs, these different things. What makes us different than the animals is our soul and spirit that resides in our body. Some people think that we're physical beings having spiritual journeys in this world. No, we're a spiritual being living a human life for a time, a time, just a time. And then this body leaves and you're with Christ forever. So you're not a body that that's having spiritual journeys like, oh, I'm spiritual. No, you are a spiritual being living in a human existence, in a physical existence. So what does it mean to be born of God? It means on the inside. You change, John 3, 3. It also means to have inner transformation and cleansing. How many of us know that we have sinned in our lives, that you have chosen to do things that God said not to? How many have ever told a lie before? How many have ever taken something that didn't belong to them, lusted after somebody that they weren't married to? You can raise your hands at any time. Ever coveted what somebody else had? Ever disobeyed your parents? How many know these are commands? We've broken them. Some of you like, I broke them all the time. You may be professional command breakers. You may, you may be a pro at breaking commands. And you know what they call people who are pros at breaking commands? Reality stars. Think about it. Oh, you're so crazy and messed up. We're going to put you on TV. 
It's like Kim Kardashian had a sex tape. Oh, no, what do we do? Let's make a reality star out of her. Oh, little Wayne, oh, he's on drugs. He's all messed up in the Magnolia Projects. Here, give that boy a microphone. Let him rap about it. We have defiled ourselves with our sin. Instead of being humble with our sin, we are prideful with our sin. You know it, and I know it. We all have things in our life that if we're not cleansed of, these things will define us. Think about your attitude and how you treat others. Doesn't it come easier to get upset with your enemies than it does to forgive your enemies? Doesn't it come easier to you to hold that grudge and be bitter than to forgive? How many know that's harder? How many know it's harder to stay pure in your eyes, in your heart, men, than it is to just lust after whatever woman or man you see, whatever your flavor is? Hello? How many know it's hard to guard your eyes? Well, here's the thing. All those sins that you've committed, that I've committed, we have to be cleansed of to overcome the world, to come to Christ. So what do we do to cleanse ourselves? Do we try to wash ourselves with religious soap? Well, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to hang out with the pastor. No religious work can cleanse your soul. It's only the blood of Jesus. So when a person is born again and they say, I put my faith in Jesus Christ, how are they cleansed and transformed? By the Spirit of God. As your mom and dad got together listening to Art Kelly for you young people, Al Green for you older people, and you came out nine months later, as surely as the flesh brought birth to your flesh through your mom and dad, it is the Holy Spirit. That brings spiritual life to you on the inside. Has anybody been cleansed? 1 Peter 1, 22-23. And lastly, you become a new creation. When you say to Jesus, I believe in you. You're the Son of God. I want to live for you. And he makes you new. And he washes you. You are now a new creation. You do not become like the baby you once were. Some people say, well, I'm as holy or pure as a baby. No, babies are still born under the penalty of sin. And cute babies become booger eaters. You know, it's so funny the things that I have to command my children not to do. Don't eat your boogers. You think something in their mind would tell them, I shouldn't eat my boogers, but i got to make a command for that. Another thing that I never thought I would have to do is I have to tell my children not to imitate Disney movies at the dinner table because my children will come there and go, it's the wonderful world, and dance around. And I, have to, I never thought I would have a command like this, but there's a command at our table, don't sing and don't dance while we're eating. Because like I'm so, they'll just, they'll just get up and just dance around. I just, no, don't do that. Why do children have a propensity to sin? Are nursery workers, daycare, grandparents teaching them to sin? When grandma has the baby, are they like, you tell a lie. When, you, when your mommy asks you, if you ate your boogers, you lie. You, you go to daddy's table and you dance and imitate, you know, Barney, whatever. You do this, Mickey Mouse. No, it's our propensity. So when we're born again. We're not now children again of our parents made new like we were then. No, we're made new like our heavenly father. He is the father of our spirit and we become like him. And that person on the inside of you has never existed up until that moment. So when you are born again for me, November 5th, 1995, this November is going to make 18 years of me being born again. That day I became someone that had never 
never existed before. Not a remodeled version. Not just an upgrade, but a brand new creation. Do I got any other new creations in this house today? The old passed away. The new has come. Anybody got the new? Amen. So born again means to be born in your spirit and soul, John 3, 3, to have inner transformation and cleansing. 1 Peter 2, 22 through 23, and to be made a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Come on, somebody say amen. Number two, what are we overcoming? When the Bible says we overcome the world, what we need to do is look at the letter. 1 John is an epistle. It's a teaching letter of the Apostle John. He also wrote the Gospel of John. But this is a teaching letter. So all we have to do is back up to the verses prior in 1 John chapter 2 to see what he calls the world. And just turn there with me quickly. 1 John 2.16. Somebody say overcome the world. Is this too good to be true? Or do you think God will do what he said? Is God just teasing us? Is it like those Maybelline commercials where women look at it and they're like, if I use this eyeliner, I'll be as beautiful as that woman? Is that what Jesus is saying to us, guys? Is it like that, that post on the side of the advertisement on the side of Facebook where it's like, get ripped in 30 days? And you're like going to the gym with your 15-pound dumbbells, you know? Hello? Is this God just making fun of us like... Hey, guys down there, <laughs> if you believe in me, you'll overcome the world. <laughs> Look at this, angels. They believe this. They actually believe they're going to beat the devil. The devil's going to beat them senseless. Is God playing a trick on us? Is he just trying to play make-believe like, hey, try to keep all my commands. Like, like, hey, try to jump eight feet tall, Bubba. You know, hey, can you run a three-minute mile? That's like trying to love your neighbor as yourself. Is God messing with us? Or does he really believe, God in heaven, really believe that the commands he gives we can keep? Does he really expect you to do it? And will he give you the strength? See, I believe in a good God. And this is what the world is defined as in, in 1 John. If you go earlier, it says don't love the world. Somebody say don't love him or anything in it. Thank you. Anyone that loves the world, the love of the Father is not what? In them. So you see the competition here now. You will either love the world or you're going to love the Father. Some people who say, I want a little bit of both. No, you really just have the world and you've deceived yourself. Some people who think to themselves like, oh, Jesus is okay with me doing these things. The Jesus you've made is a sock puppet Jesus. He is your idol Jesus. You might as well just go home, put on a sock, and just put Jesus' little face, little mustache, and just have him talk to you. Jesus, do you mind that I'm living with somebody I'm not married to? No, I don't mind at all. You're pretty awesome. You see, that becomes sock puppet Jesus. This Bible, the Bible that Jesus inspired through the Holy Spirit, says you either love the world or you love the Father. It's one or the other. Are you all tracking with me? For some things in the world, is that what it says? You all sleeping on me right now? You know, look at the light. He's just preaching. I don't know what he's preaching about, what he's preaching. You all looking at the Scripture? Let's look at the Bible. Can we all do that together? Look at your neighbor and say, read the Bible. Okay. For some things in the world, for what? For... Thank you, Moan Fresh. Give it up for our DJ in the back hooking you guys up, Andrew. For everything in the world, everything, put everything there. Your family without God becomes an everything. Your career without God becomes an everything. Without God, everything is right there. Your dreams, your hopes, Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, everything, social reform, 
everything without God is right there. I don't care how good it looks, how much you think it helps others. Uh, Like a Mahatma Gandhi, I've been to India, they look up to him. It does not matter. If you do not have Christ, everything in the world will be broken down into these three categories. The lust of your flesh, that's what your flesh wants. The lust of the eyes, what your eyes want. And the pride of life, what you do. Using that example of Mahatma Gandhi, if he did not put Christ in his life, he is in hell right now because what he did was out of pride. If you do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and what you do to transform a society is based on your thoughts, your ideas, your wisdom, you will bust hell wide open just like Hitler. There is no difference between the pride of life between Hitler and Mahatma Gandhi. Both of them to Jesus Christ are rebellion. You do not say to Jesus, I will serve you and another God. I will do good things for you with another God. That is like me saying to my wife, now listen, I'm dating this other girl, okay? And, uh, you know, me and Brittany, we're going out, but here's the good side of this. Brittany's going to watch the kids every now and then, okay? So you don't get to work as, I got women looking at me crazy right now already in the example. Like, why are we even talking about it, Pastor? Who's Brittany? Listen. Uh, Listen, Brittany is a made-up name. But if I said to my wife, listen, I'm going to do good things for you. How many know having a babysitter when you have three kids and fourth one's on the way is a good thing? What what if I even said, you know what, Brittany's going to watch the kids and she's going to give you back rubs, foot rubs. How many know that's a good thing? What if I said Brittany's even going to clean the house? She's going to make the house nice. She's going to teach our kids different languages. Brittany knows French, and she knows Spanish. She knows Chinese. She's going to educate them. How many know all of those things are good things? But it's not the right thing. It's not the righteous thing because I am offending my wife in the relationship that I have with Brittany. You put anything next to God in what you do. It doesn't matter how good you think it is. He will say to you on judgment day, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Oh, but I was Mahatma Gandhi. I brought peace to the the Indian people. Who did you do it for, me or for yourself? Pride of life, depart from me, period. All things, everybody say everything. This is when you either love or hate the preacher, amen. This is when you say, oh my, or amen. But it's tight, but it's right. So what happens now? The Bible says, if we go back to our main passage, go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. We overcome this. When we're born of God, we overcome this. We overcome lusts of our flesh. We overcome lust of our eyes. We overcome doing things out of pride. It's his way or the highway. Amen? That's what we overcome. Number three, let's go to our notes, faith in Jesus. This is how we do it. What does it mean to put your faith in Jesus as a son of God? To have full trust and assurance in the full person of Jesus. John 1, 1 through 18, and then John three sixteen. When you're coming to Jesus and you're saying, I believe in you and I want to be born of you, you're not coming to a good man. You're not coming to just a prophet. You're not coming to one among many. You are coming to the unique Son of God, fully God and fully man, the only perfect Savior of the world. That's who you're coming to. 
He is not Jesus, the prophet like Abraham, Isaac, and Moses. He's not just a prophet. He's not Jesus, the good man like Buddha, like Martin Luther King Jr., or whoever else we see as good men. And he's not just one among many, Jesus, Krishna, Zeus, whatever else you believe in. He is Jesus, the God-man, the only one from heaven out of the triune nature of God to come take on flesh, to live a sinless life, to then be crucified for all our sins buried on the third day raised up from the grave and then ascend into heaven promised to send the Holy Spirit and awaiting to bring judgment to this world and now until that time interceding for his people that's Jesus Amen. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you plus Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus plus zero equals everything. Jesus plus zero equals everything. Jesus don't need religion. Don't, Jesus don't need anything. He didn't need you to even clap for him. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We get the honor to clap for Jesus. The trees of the field wave and clap for Jesus. Amen. We get the honor of reading Jesus' words. We get the honor of being in his presence, him tickling us, loving on us, making us cry, encouraging us. We get the promise and the privilege of being with him for heaven as a sheep that should be outside, but we're brought into the house to dwell forever. It is a privilege because this Jesus is the best thing you've ever seen or heard. He is God and God alone he's awesome we're not here doing him a favor he's not the american idol up, upstairs in heaven going if they would just believe in me and vote for me i could be the son of god he's not your american idol contestant holding up his digits to vote for him vote to vote to vote for me he's god all by himself and it bears worth repeating jesus plus nothing equals everything when you're saying i have faith in jesus you're now saying i take my full trust and i put it in the full person of who he is some people say well what about those who think about jesus in different ways doesn't god understand that well what if you went walking around going hey i love metro praise that joe he's sure a funny woman preacher joe he's such a funny woman you, you'd say, if you ever heard somebody talking like that, you'd be like, Joe, a woman? Funny woman preacher? Who are you talking about? You're talking about his wife, Nancy? No, I'm talking about Joe. Tall, dark, and all that. You know, the funny woman, he's a woman. Or she's a woman. He's a, she's a funny I can't even do the example. She's a funny woman preacher. You would say, the Joe I know who preaches at Metro Praise is not a woman. So what you are attributing to what you are calling Joe is incorrect. The compliment is not really a compliment. It's kind of an offense because you're calling him a woman. Well, I believe Jesus was a prophet. Doesn't that count? No, that is humiliating to God to be called just a man. You may say, well, he was a good man, a great man. There is no comparison between a man to God. So if you say, well, I got a different understanding of Jesus, but yet I believe in Jesus, how does that work out? It doesn't. That's why he said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He made it an essential belief that he was singularly the only way to the Father.
Now, we live in a culture that wants a religious buffet, that when they believe in Jesus, they're also going to take a little bit of Buddha on the side, a little bit of Christian, a little bit of teachings of Islam, and go, ding, here it is. And we're going to now serve it to God, and that makes God puke. Just like if I said, here's a little water, here's a little anthrax, here's a little sewage water from the dump, you know, here, drink. It makes you want to puke. Jesus is the pure, spotless Lamb of God, incomparable to anyone and anything. God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Son made His dwelling among us. We've never seen the Father, but we've beheld the glory of God, the one and only, the Son. Amen? That's John 1.18. Matter of fact, just drop it like it's hot. Put it up there for him, please. John 1.18. Faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just the introduction. We're getting to the message in just a moment, so hang on. It is coming. The message is coming. This is just the review. It's okay. And the review is for you. Point to your neighbor. The review is for you. <laughs> John 1.18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who himself is God. In closest relationship with the Father has made him known. When you put your full trust in this person, you know what that means. I can define faith in a hundred different ways, full trust, confidence, belief. But it doesn't matter the words we define faith as. You know what all of you means and what all your trust means. You decide who is the Lord of your life. When you put your full trust into Jesus, it is like throwing yourself back into his arms. You're not holding back any of you. You can appear to me like you have done that, but to God appear as a hypocrite. God knows your heart and you know your heart. What is everything? Jesus does not want to have a four-bedroom condo with you, your dreams, what your family thinks, and what you were taught in school. And he's just like, hey, I'm here whenever you need me. Jesus wants you to kick everybody out of the condo and then look at him and say, it's all about you. Sometimes we think about giving our full trust. That's an example of giving our full trust to Jesus is we're going to obey him above everything. You get that? He said, if you do not love me more than your mother, brother, sister, wife, even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. That's one example. Another example is, is, is to say to Jesus, Jesus, I love you, but I also love all of these other things the same. And you cannot place other things in your trust with Jesus. You trust Jesus alone. And what that looks like for me personally, is how and who I married. I could have listened to people around me, the culture, but I trusted Jesus with my choosing of my wife. That's a pretty big decision, is it not? I didn't say I'm going to choose my wife with a little bit of what Maxim says, a little bit what my best friends say, a little bit of what my parents say, even though they can offer good advice, but I had to first and foremost choose my wife based on what God said. Are you guys getting it? That's full trust. Now, another example is people like to say, Jesus is my co-pilot. You know, like you and Jesus are going to be in a little two-seater plane. <laughs> All right, Jesus, do I got the wheel now? Yeah, you got the wheel. <laughs> Look at me, Jesus. I'm doing my thing too. Okay, Jesus, I'm, re I'm <laughs> we're reaching a bumpy time now. Jesus, you take the wheel. Okay, Jesus, now you take the wheel. Take me through the problems of my life. No, Jesus is not your co-pilot. You know what Jesus is? Jesus is that bad mamma jamma on that speed bike. Vroom, vroom, vroom. And you know who you are? You're that chick with that tattoo sitting on the back. That's who you are. 
You're that chick sitting on the back of Jesus' speed bike. You don't get to choose anywhere you go. You don't have no decision on what's going on. You just hold it on to Jesus for dear life. That's you and Jesus. You're that chick right there. Y'all getting that? I want to do a sermon illustration of that one day. Just have a dude holding on to another dude. Just with a midriff shirt and everything. Just holding on with some mantis on. And just be like, dude, this is me. This is you with Jesus. It's not like you and Jesus sharing the wheel. Every now and then I pass it to him. He passes it back to me. See, full trust is something that you know when you give that power to somebody else. Some of you have given it to a spouse, and you've been let down. we got a culture full of divorces because they look to each other to satisfy each other, but they couldn't do it, so they let each other down. We've got people that look to their career to satisfy them, and they put everything in that career. And once that economy hit, uh, you know, we dipped down. People went into deep depression. We cannot put our full trust in anybody but God. And when we put our trust in him, we're zooming around with him. He leads us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He'll stop and go beep, beep, hop on. You know, then it becomes like a, a motor scooter in India or the Philippines. Now you got three people on that thing. It's you, your wife, and you're holding on to Jesus, right? And then he stopped, beep, beep, beep. And you've been to India, Philippines. You know what I'm talking about? Pack on two or three more people on those mopeds. Y'all looking at me crazy. In India, they can put like six people on a moped. Am I telling the truth about the Philippines? Come on. Let's give it up for the Philippines and India. Amen. The nations, they're on our heart. Lastly, overcomer. Please go to your notes. An overcomer is simply now someone who believes in Jesus and overcomes the world. An overcomer is not a pretender. I'm not standing before you today saying, I pretend to overcome my problems. But really, when you talk to my wife, we're jacked up at home. No, this is not make-believe. This is not just PMA, positive mental attitude, that if I just keep telling myself I'm a winner, I'm a winner, I'll be a winner, gosh darn it, and people like me. This is not positive mental attitude. This is not taping a million-dollar check to your refrigerator and saying, I'll get that one day. I'll be that. Being an overcomer, as I said at the beginning, is just as much of a fact as being overcame and defeated is. Now, rewinding right back to the beginning, the question is very simple. Do you see people being overcome in this world by the things of this world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life? Do you see evil tormenting the souls of men and women around you? Is it obvious to you that there has been a battle going on for centuries and you showed up and now you see the devastation? It's like you're stepping onto the battlefield. You know, you, you come into your conscious mind around, what, 9, 10 years old? You, you come into this world and you look around and you know it's not the way it's supposed to be. You see family members hurting. You see a society falling apart. How many of you know when you stepped onto this world, it, this battle had been going on for a while? And the devil had been whooping people for a while. Injustice, racism, poverty. And you step on that scene and you know it's real. Some of you were brought up in abuse, hardships. Now the question is, is God's victory real? Is his victory even as real or more real than the defeat? I believe so. 
And it doesn't matter where you are in your life and what you're facing. Victory is yours in Jesus. At this moment, I want to pause and ask you these heart-revealing questions before we get into the message. This is where we left off last week. Do you believe in God? If you believe in God, then you have to believe at least somewhere in your heart that all things are possible with this God. Have you ever stood out uh, outside and looked at the stars and were blown away by the majesty of our God? Did you ever travel to a place of mountains or beautiful valleys, a place like Grand Canyon or go to uh, around here and see a lake or an ocean and be blown away by the power and the majesty of God? Do you believe in God? We need to ask this question today because many people don't. There are three simple evidences for the belief in God. Number one, the first cause. If we say it came from a big bang, who banged it? So we have to stop the regress of evolution, even if you believe in that, to have a central first cause. If you don't believe in God, you believe nothing created something. Nothing created something. If you believe in God, you believe that something created everything. The second argument for God's existence is the argument of design. When you look at the world, do you see a world that's designed or do you see a world that looks like a printing shop blew up and made a Shakespearean play? You see, you wouldn't look at a Shakespearean play in a book and say, oh, a printing press must have blew up and made this book over a million years of evolution. When you study biology, when you study things with a microscope or things with a telescope, do you see design and order? As a matter of fact, conscious thought is a part of that order that you can even think about what you're thinking about. Mathematics is a part of that order that we can discover the world through math and yet not even have the experiments and then have the experiments later to prove what our math has said. I see a world of design. I don't look at Mount Rushmore and say, look what wind and rain did over a million years. I say, look at what a designer made with their hands. And when I look at the world, I don't look at the world and say, look at what just exploded and over a million years came together. I look at what a God created. The argument from cause, the argument from design. And the third thing, the argument from morality. When we talk about things are bad and we say things are good, does that mean anything? Or is that just a cultural way of looking at things? In England, some people drive, uh, the people drive on the left side of the road. And here in America, we drive on the right side of the road. It's just a difference of culture. You go over there, you drive on the left. You come over here, you drive on the right. Is that the same thing when we look at killing a children, a child, and murdering your own children? Like we just see here with that football player losing that child because of abuse that breaks our heart. Is that the same as raising and loving your child? It just depends what kind of animal you are. Are you the kind of animal that eats your young? Or are you the kind of animal that takes care of your young? Well, both are animals. Both are up for debate. Is that how we look at the world? Of course not. We understand evil is evil and good is good because God made us as persons, not animals. We discern good from evil. Evidence for God. Do you believe in him? Number two, do you believe that the Bible accurately tells the story of God? You have a lot of books to choose from. I have most of the major ones in my house. The Bhagavad Gita from the Vedas for the Hindus. The Quran for the Muslims. The Book of Mormons for the Mormons. The Jehovah Witness uh, falsely translated Bible, the New World Translation. I have various books from different cult leaders who have claimed to be God walking upon this earth. Is the Bible the only true word of God or is it not? Because if there are other words from God, then the Bible is already wrong. 
Because the Bible says at the end of, of the book of Revelation, don't add anything to it and don't take anything away. If you add anything to it, you will add curses onto your life. Look at the last chapter of Revelation. You'll see it. And if you take anything away, you're taking away the blessings that it says. See, when I look at the Bible, I see the accurate word of God. I see the Bible explain to me why the earth looks the way it is, because it's created. I see the Bible explain to me why Adam and Eve were the way they were, and what happened after Adam and Eve, and all the generations that follow. I look at the Bible, and I see the story of Noah, and the flood, and how the Grand Canyon, and different things of this world proved that flood. I then look into the stories of the prophets, and Moses, and Israel, and I see that these prophecies and promises are still coming true, that after 1,900 years without the people of Israel, having a nation they're giving back their land in 1947 what other nation has been dispelled for over a thousand nine hundred years and yet still remains a people and is brought back to their land do the Hittites have their land do the Canaanites have their land and yet Israel the Jewish people have theirs then I get to the life of Jesus, and I see Jesus stands out from everybody else, and his life is verifiable. His life is not shrouded in myth. Though it's miraculous, it's not myth. His life is an autobiography. It names places and people that he met that we see throughout history, even recorded in non-Christian authors like Josephus, a Jewish historian, and Pliny, a historian of Rome, marks the dates and times of when Jesus lived and did these things. And there's three things about the life of Jesus that the Bible records that no one else knows. Number one, that Jesus was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Nobody can find that tomb. We assume that there was that tomb. And number two, that that tomb was empty. Nobody knows where the empty tomb is. We know where Buddha is laid. We know where Muhammad's laid. But yet this world leader, we don't know his tomb and we can't even find it empty though they think they found the, the the shroud of turin and then thirdly where did he go after he left this tomb people have tried to give explanations well maybe he wasn't really dead on the cross he looked like he was dead so these professional torturers romans just accidentally brought him down too early then they just laid him on the side of the road. After a couple days, <clears throat> he gets up after being beaten and crucified, shows himself to his disciples, and the ones that denied him, cursing out a girl like Peter, now get some kind of bold faith to proclaim his resurrection and ascension to heaven. And what do they get for it? Peter gets crucified upside down. That's one explanation. That one make no sense. No sense to me. Look at your neighbor and say, cray, cray. But yet the Bible tells us he's in this tomb, the tomb is empty, and he resurrects, and he meets with these people, and then these people preach his message even unto death. That is a better explanation than the best explanation of this world. And then number three, do you believe that Jesus, God in the flesh, who died for man's sins, raised on the third day, and ascended into heaven, is the only all-powerful and perfectly saving Savior? Do you believe that? How many believe that? Can I hear an amen? amen? If you believe that, then you're on your way to being an overcomer. And then number four says, do you believe you are who God said you are and that you can do what God said you can do? Does everybody get last week's message? Are you all ready for this week's message? Amen. You have to decide if you believe it. And as I pause here and get ready to preach this week's messages, uh, message, turn with me to Romans 10, 17. I want to say this story very quickly. It's really not a story, it's a, an example. When I say to you that I experienced Jesus overcoming power November 5th, 1995, you now have to decide whether or not that's true. 
So I say to you, Joe was a drug dealer, high school dropout, living a perverted life, full of anger, and didn't know how to obey his parents and do the right things. When I say November 5th, that changed, and I became an overcomer, you now have to believe that on some sort of faith, my testimony, right? You could say maybe he's lying to us. Maybe he hasn't stopped doing drugs. Maybe he was shooting up some heroin before he got out here today. You know, maybe he cheats on his wife. You have to make some kind of decision, don't you? But how many would just say, I believe that man's testimony? Five, five of you? Well, that's not encouraging today. Let's, let's try that again. How many believe I'm telling you the truth about my life? Okay. Now watch this. If I was the only one in all of your life, the only one in the whole planet, to say, this has worked for me, that would be somewhat suspicious, wouldn't it? And it would almost make me out to be some kind of idol to you now or some kind of like superstar. Like, ooh, look at Joe. He got off drugs and Jesus changed his life in one day. That hasn't happened for anybody I know. Wow, he must be awesome. Let's all buy his books for $10.99 plus $3 shipping and handling. Your best life now. You can live like Joe. But hold on. Does the Christian testimony in this building stop with just me? There are at least 28 elders and deacons in this church that testify to the same thing. So I'm going to ask those 28 elders and deacons, if they're here today, to please stand up. And I want you to look around the room. Now, their testimony is identical to mine. Though it might not have been dropping out of school, doing drugs, their testimony is, I was born a sinner, sin and death defeated me, the world, lust of the flesh, lust of eyes, and the pride of life defeated me, I came to Jesus and he changed me, now I overcome those things that used to overcome me. But there's not only just those in this room that have experienced that, and they're not lying. Now we have in our church a 201 class that they have shown their testimony to be true by these leaders and joined a class to become leaders to keep sharing the message with others. So if you're in the 201 class, would you stand up with me now, please? Now, I want you just to look at this. Now, we have visitors from other churches, people in a 101 class, and some who are new that could also stand and testify with these people. But I'm not going to ask them to stand just for this simple illustration. I can verify as a pastor that these people standing, their testimony is true. They're not lying. Tony Vivid is not lying. M is not lying. Cynthia is not lying. Now, we have a question. Or oh, I have a question for you. How many churches in our city do you think could stand and represent this in their way? Quite a bit. And if we said all together, Chicago, all overcomers, what, what, stand. How many know there would be a lot of people in this city standing? And now watch. How many know if we said, America, overcomers, for Jesus, stand. How many know millions of people in this nation would stand? How many now know if we said all nations of the world, Brazil, Guatemala, China, Korea, Mexico, Indonesia, stand for Jesus? Billions of people would stand. 
Now, for those of you sitting down, once again, I don't want you to feel embarrassed if you're actually a Christian and you're an overcomer too. But I just want you to hear this for a moment because you're new to our church. You're new to this experience. You haven't yet become into the 201. Please hear me. If God did it for them and for the billions on this planet, will he not do it for you? Now for you to sit in your chair, if you were, I'm not saying you are, but if you were to sit in your chair and go, I don't believe that. I don't believe I'm going to overcome my stuff. There's people standing up that have overcome same-sex attraction. There's people standing up that have overcome drug addiction. There's people that are standing up that have overcome greed. There's people that are standing up that have overcome shopping, depression, all types of crazy stuff in life. Shopping, like what's wrong with that? Like... <laughs> Shopaholic, I meant like trying to look good for everybody. That you just in this room alone, I guarantee you, those who are sitting down could find somebody that has overcome, not still in the battle, but has seen the devil be knocked out cold, and they have overcome him. For an example, somebody may be sitting here going, Man, I struggle with pornography. There's men standing up here today that have not looked at pornography in over a decade. There are some of you here saying, I struggle with, you know, cursing. There's people standing up right now that haven't cursed in over 10, 20, 30 years. Hello. I'm not saying we still don't have a battle. I'm just telling you there are people who have already decided, I will overcome. This will be my life. And their life is working it out. And people can look at them and see the testimony. Can we all give God some praise? Come on. Amen. Would you be seated, please? Uh, would you come, um, my brother, would you come on up? Let's give it up for our brother Vinny. Doing good, man. Here it is in closing, this, uh, this message today. I've been on this thing, by the way, personally, if you've been coming to the church. I really like keeping our sermons going by repeating what I talked about last week. I'm just on that. Thank you for giving me your patience. But I don't feel I need to go any longer uh, like we did last month. But I just feel there's a power in that. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have a choice today whether or not you believe the word of God that's been spoken to you. Who is it that overcomes the world? Those that have faith in Jesus. Those who have been born of God. Do you believe that? I can't believe it for you. You have to believe it. Where the bold letter is, please read it. And we're going to do like a little call and response. Where the bold is, you say it for me, okay? Faith comes by and hearing by. If you're not the word of God, faith is not. Okay, one more time. Faith comes by and hearing by. If you're not the word of God, faith is not. Boom, there's the principle. There is the principle. There it is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I'm not hearing the word of God, faith is not coming. If you're today not living an overcoming life, now this is for all of us who have stood in any area of your life, because I do understand there's some that are not overcoming in all areas yet. But you can. And you overcome those areas that have defeated you the same way you overcome the ones that you've already defeated. So you may say, man, I'm struggling with my temper, but I don't smoke like I used to. Well, the way you overcome your temper is the way you overcome your smoking addiction. Some may say, 
Well, you know what? I still don't know how to trust God with the tithe. But I don't curse like I used to. The same way that God took away a filthy mouth is the way he'll give you faith to believe to give your 10% to the Lord. Well, you might say, I can't afford to give a tithe. You can't afford not to give a tithe. The tithe is a covenantal sign between you and God, and you need to apply your faith to it. I have been applying my faith to the tithe since I'm a child. So that's been easy for me. But I've been cursing. I was cursing for a long time, right? So how would I overcome cursing the same way I overcome greed? By faith. The same way you're saved... Born of God, that's the same term, saved, born of God. The same way you're saved is the same way you're sanctified. What being saved means is that now you go from death to life, you're born again. And what sanctified means is you're cleansed, free to live the victorious life. The devil doesn't have his hooks in you anymore. As I said last week, if you come to this church and say, I'm going to live for God, but you don't defeat the sins in your life, the devil loves that because he puts his hooks in you. And he goes, well, demons, we can't stop them from going to heaven, but we can stop them from having a good life. We can stop them from impacting their family. We can stop them from having peace and joy. Let's keep our hooks of depression in them. Let's keep our hooks of low self-esteem. So demons will do that through their attacks in your life. But if you say back to that devil, devil, you couldn't stop me from getting saved. And you can't stop me from being cleansed in my salvation. Get behind me, Satan. You see, when, this, when the devil came to tempt Jesus, he used the word of God against him. The devil said, hey, turn this rock into bread. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Jesus said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. He combated the lies of Satan with what the word of God said. And how you think is how you'll act. So your mental picture of yourself is the picture that you try to live out every day. If you think you're depressed and you put yourself down, we have an average of over 20,000 thoughts a day. And if just 10% of those thoughts are negative towards yourself, you will think 2,000 negative thoughts. Almost one a minute. And you wonder why you're depressed. Because you've given your mind to that thought. You think about perversion. You think about poverty. You think about I can't, I don't, I won't, I want to quit. You put 10% of negativity into your brain. It will affect you tremendously, just 10%. And yet there's some people that can't speak a sentence without cursing. Can't go a day without talking about who hurt them, how they're upset about their divorce, or what's going wrong in their family. They post it on Facebook every day. You're all listening. And you wonder why you're defeated. You're not hearing faith. You're not speaking faith. So faith and power is not reciprocating back into your life. So how do you break the cycle of being on the gerbil wheel of defeat? You just keep going round and round and round. The same way you got saved. How did you get saved? How did you get Jesus in your life to begin with? Well, you heard the word of God. You believed it. You confessed Jesus is Lord. And as a result of those things, you now lived it. Your life changed. How many were saved? Come on. And how did you get saved? Somebody told you Jesus loved you, died for your sins. You go, I believe that. I'll confess my sins. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe you're Lord of my life. Boom, you were saved. And then what happened? You started living out the Word. You started applying the Word. You started coming to church. You started praying before your meals. You started to stop doing the wrong and started doing the right. Well, now if you're stuck in a rat race and you're like, well, my life isn't changing anymore, 
We don't blame it on God. We don't say that your problems are so big God can't fix. Like, oh my goodness. Like, oh my goodness. Like, you're struggling with your temper? Oh man, no. God is not bigger than that. No, 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 no. Oh man, your temper is so muy big. Ah, you're a little monster. You know, the best that God can ever do is just arm wrestle with your temper every day. Sometimes he'll win, sometimes he'll lose, but you know, God, he's just gonna, he's just gonna battle with your temper. No! The same God that knocked out the devil will knock out your temper. You'll change. You'll change. How many believe God can change you? I feel like this world has been given like a watered-down, compromised gospel that we just think all Jesus does is give us the life vest and say, hold on till you get to heaven. You're going to be on a bumpy ride. Has anybody ever been on a boat before? I mean, imagine going water skiing like you fall down, and he's like, no, you're down. But hold on. We're going to keep driving around the lake. You're like holding on. Hello? Like National Lampoon's like vacation. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I got a bad temper. I fell down. I can't get up. Oh, that's okay. That's how I'm going to bring you through life. I'm going to bring you through life all busted and disgusted. And by you looking all defeated all the time, people are going to love me more. Jesus gets no glory. You getting drug around the lake of life all messed up, but you're one of Jesus' kids. <laughs> you making Jesus look like he's special ed. Why is Jesus' kids being drug around the lake? They don't know how to ski? Well, this is Jesus' kids. They're like Jerry's kids. And I don't mean to be on, on people who have special needs. I'm just saying, why do we got special need Christians walking around when Jesus Christ has said you're more than a conqueror? He said you can overcome. You can water ski with the best of them. You hear the word. 30 devotions coming out this month all in the word. Just put up the devotions in closing, please. I'll have you stand. Just a moment. Here it comes. I'm giving you the word. Why? Because I know I can't preach for five hours every time you come here. It is hard to preach this an hour. You're like ready to go. You're already planning out your menu. Like I'm like thinking to myself, like I got so much more to say. Well, we're trying to give you that discipleship throughout the week. We have one-on-one mentors that are going to go out with you. But look at this devotional list already for this month. Look at the, the, the words that are coming. You can read his Bible, his word, and say, man, I believe this. I choose this. Go to the 30-day series and scroll all the way down and make it nice and big. Band, would you come, please? Hear the word of God. When you hear it right there, and can you make it big so everybody can see it? Thank you. Here's already what's come out this month. Uh, go on down to the overcomer, please. These are going to be in book form, but right now they're online, lifechangingdevotions.com. Look at this. Overcoming pride. Does anybody need some words to hear and believe, to confess, to overcome pride? Hey. Those not saying it probably need it the most. We're, we're back at the gospel thing. Got to go down. Right here. Overcome the fear of man. Do you ever feel like when you're trying to live for God, you get real afraid of what others are going to think about you? Just starting with coming to the church, like, oh, if I come here, my family may not like me because they raised me up at this kind of church, you know. Or, or if I come to church and I raise my hands, people are going to think I'm fake. I, you, you would not, you couldn't believe, congregation, how much as a pastor I deal with people 
be, uh, not serving God or giving it their all because they're afraid of what others think. A lot of people deal with that. There's some words on that. The fear of failure. Have you ever said something like this? I'm not ready. Oh, man. I know I'm not right. I'm not right with God. I mean, come on, let's just keep it real. I'm not right, but I ain't ready to live for him yet. I hear people say that all the time. I'm not ready. They are afraid of failing. There is a fear in their mind. I can't live for God. Well, all those people just stood up. I'm not as good as those people. I know I'll mess it up. And then, you know, it would be better as if I didn't start it at all. So I'm just going to wait a real long time. And then without God's help, I'll somehow be ready for God's help. And I don't know how that will work. But I'll be ready. People tell me that all the time. I'm not ready. Well, if you're not ready, go to God to make you ready. Because you going away from God to go get ready make no sense. How about this? Fear of persecution. Well, if I live for God, I'm going to be persecuted. How about this? Overcoming self-centeredness. Well, I just don't have time. You just don't understand, Pastor. You see, living for God is not that important. What is important right now is me getting my degree, me going to school, me having my job, me having my family. And you see, you know, I just, I just can't do it. They may not say it with their words, but when you ask them to put God first, to do things for God, they keep saying, they're so busy, they're so busy. You know why you're so busy? It's because life is about you. You don't worship the God of Baal or Molech. You worship the God of me, myself, and I. And you bow down to it every day. And you're like, it's all about me. Me, 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 me. What do I think? What do I think? What do I want to do? Well, it's my time. Did you ever forget you never created time? It's not yours. In your mind, the brain, you didn't create that either. So it's not your time. It's God's time. How about this? The fear of an offense or overcoming an offense towards God. So many people, once again, will come to a service like this and I'll preach like this and you will be excited and you will believe it. But then when you will go home, you will try it for like a couple days and then something won't work or something bad will happen in your life. I lost my sister drinking and driving at an early age. And instead of my, I, I turned to God. I said, God, you, you know why she's dead and I can't blame you because that was her fault, but I'm going to serve you and he ask you to heal my broken heart. My other sister said, God, why? And she turned to alcohol. She's still a drunkard to this day, an alcoholic still to this day. Texted my wife last night under one of her drunken things. I need you. I need you. Okay, come to church. What's the difference? You see, somebody has an offense towards God, and you may hear this and go, yeah, God, but... I believe what God said, but I'm just too messed up right now. God, I believe you did it for others, but I don't think you can do it for me. And you've let me down. Get over your offense towards God. God, listen to me. Everybody look up at me, please. God has never failed. Say it with me. God has never failed. He has never failed. Any person that has ever put their faith in him has always overcome, period bad theology. Well, I don't believe the Bible teaches that. I believe I'm supposed to be busted and disgusted my whole life, and that's what his plan is. Well, you're messed up. You're messed up. Stop watching Oprah. Stop, you know, stop looking at reality TV. Go back to the Bible and say, that's who I want to be like. Amen? Stop trying to be like people of the world. Be like Jesus. Unteachable. Some people will be like, I don't believe it, and don't tell me how I'm wrong. Okay, do you want our help? No, but I'll keep coming to church on Sunday. What's your problem, Bubba? What are you? 
Is there a small yellow bus bringing you here to church that I don't know about? Do you need, I'm, I'm being serious. I love mentally handicapped people. It's come up twice now. But I'm like, I hate when people act mentally handicapped and they're not. I don't hate the people, I just hate the action. No, I don't believe that will work for me. Okay, can we do a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with you? One of our, think about this, Metro Praise says, we'll do a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with everybody in our whole church. No, I don't want that. Okay. You're unteachable. Overcome greed. Overcome the worries of life. I'm just so afraid. I'm just so afraid. And I know I'm teasing some of these things, but it's like, okay, you're so afraid. You're so afraid. Well, what are you feeding yourself every day? Do you keep feeding yourself? I don't have a job. I don't have the right education. The economy is bad. Or are you feeding yourself the word of God? He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll provide for me. I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. The Lord will prosper me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. What are you believing? What are you acting like? And then somebody goes, well, I just don't got any faith. Well, let's overcome lack of faith. Do you think there's a faith tree around here falling? Like just like apples just fall from the faith tree? Like, boom, oh, what is that? Oh, that's faith. Well, that's why my pastor must have so much faith, because he stands under the faith tree and just gets hits on the head with faith. No, the reason why people stood up and said they have faith is because they do what the Bible says to get faith. Faith is given when we read the Word of God. So if you don't have faith, start reading the Word of God. Laziness. Oh, hey. Come on. I've had people look me in the eyes. Well, I know that's the truth. I know it's the truth. I know it will change me, but I just don't want to do it yet. Okay, are you ready to do it? Yeah, I'm going to try to do it, but then I'll get tired and not do it anymore. Your laziness is the same as rebellion. As a matter of fact, the Bible gives the example like this. One man is commanded to go out. Both men are commanded to go out into the field, and one man says, I won't go. But then he changes his mind and goes. The other man says, I'll go, but he fa falls asleep and doesn't go. God said, which one is blessed? And it's the one who said, at first I couldn't, but he did, right? That's how you defeat laziness. Does everybody here always feel like giving up? When you first hear that alarm, you're, you're just like, oh, I am ready. No, you're like, I ain't getting up. No, no, I ain't getting up. But then eventually you're like, oh, I'm going to get up. Now, those of you who just get up in the morning all chipper and everything, you guys are weird. No, I'm kidding. Usually the chipper ones are the joggers. Joggers and chipper ones are vegetarians. They're like all together hanging out. We're so chipper. We're so chipper. We eat vegetables and we jog all the time. And we love to get up at 5 in the morning. Would you all stand up to your feet? Let's give God some praise because faith is coming. Come on, somebody. Praise Him. Faith, come in the name of Jesus. Altar workers, would you come please? Let's pray. Father God, we've heard your word today and we ask you right now that faith would come to our hearts. That faith would come to our hearts to transform us, to be the overcomers that you called us to be. Every head bowed and eyes closed right now. Make a declaration in your heart. You will be an overcomer. Say, I will overcome in Jesus' name. I believe what you said, God. I know I can do what you said I can do. I am who you said I, I am. Woo, come on, say it. Declare it. I am who you said I am. I can do what you said I can do. And now simply ask the Lord this. Lord, is there any area of my life where I'm not doing that? Is there any area I am not who you said I am? And I am not living like who you told me to live like. Now, if those areas come to your heart, 
I want you just to raise up your hands with me right now with them in your heart and just confess them to the Lord and say Lord change me forgive me Lord forgive me for a bad temper forgive me for perversion for unforgiveness for depression defeat self-centeredness fear come on I surrender and now say it again I am who he said I am I can do what he said I can do would you look up at me please we're going to worship and close out today if you want to keep praying like that we're right here for you if you want to worship and push through a little bit we're going to sing some songs and if you got it and you say man I got it I'm going to live it then go in peace and be a world changer history maker and a roof breaker amen let's pray would you hold somebody's hand next to you like a big old family come on father we thank you for overcomers in this house we pray pray that everyone will live it starting with me to the first time visitor and everybody in between may we all be the overcomers you called us to be may we hear your word believe it confess it and live it in jesus name everybody say man hallelujah slap your neighbor high five and say you're an overcomer you are an overcomer band would you worship you're dismissed thank you for coming if you need prayer come on up for anything we'll pray for you and if you want to worship we're going to worship up here If you need prayer, if you're worshiping, let's cry it out to God. Let's believe it. You're a perfect Savior. All the honor and glory is yours today, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, do it, God. Deliver your people. Do it, God. Set your people free. We are overcomers in this place. You are an overcomer. You are an overcomer. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. You're an overcomer. Amen. You are an overcomer. Come on, if you can sing it, sing it out. If you're praying, keep praying. This is our faith today. We're singing it out.